It's time for midday. It's 1130 here at KRVN on this August 30th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Entire crew is here once again to get this week kickstarted. It's going to be a busy week at that. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll hear from our own Paul Perkins. Let us know how warm this week may get, or are we going to see these cooler temperatures for the next several days? More on that in our regional ag weather update. Jason's in to recap the Husker football game this past week. UNK football starts a brand new season coming up Thursday. We'll touch on that. And Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing to start this brand new week as well. All that and more coming up on midday. But let's head to the Nebraska State Fair in Grand Island, where I know things are busy, and Susan Littlefield is staying busy. How is uh, How are things going out there? You know, for a Monday, it is absolutely crazy. It is older Nebraskans Day, and the exhibit hall is packed with people. So hmm. it's nice to see lots of folks here. Um, livestock are starting to come in for the open class part of this week. So they were busy early this morning getting all the pens from 4-H cleaned out and getting them set for the next set of animals that start arriving later today. Okay, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, and again, we, we hope that you, if you are heading out to the State Fair, to stop by our booth as well. Oh, yeah, we have had so many amazing listeners. Uh, many of them saying they wanted to sign up for the truck or they wanted to sign up for the Echo Dots. Some just wanted to stop by just to say hi, which is okay as well. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's been great to see a lot of our, our listeners from all over the state. Well, I know you're busy, so let's get caught up on what is to come on Midday today. You bet. Here's what's, We're going to kick it all off at uh, 1219. I just got off the phone with Mike Steenhook. He's the executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. And it's stuff we were talking about here at State Fair is Hurricane Ida. And right now we know that she is moving out of the New Orleans area, but it has left a lot of damage in its wake. And what's that going to mean for barge traffic and how much of that will have an effect on our grain prices? Then at 1245, Farm Rescue is here at the Nebraska State Fair. We're going to talk to one volunteer who actually is from the St. Labore area. And he's going to talk about the importance of what Farm Rescue does for our farmers in the whole upper Midwest. And then Alex will stop in, wrap up everything at 117, as the Nebraska Beef Council talks about their role here at the Nebraska State Fair. Okay, solid stuff coming up. Enjoy the State Fair, and we'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. Thanks. All right, thank you very much. That's Susan Littlefield for the Nebraska State Fair in Grand Island. Stop by our booth if you're heading out there today or really throughout the next couple of days. Let's get caught up with our own Jason Jorgensen. Jason, it was a obviously a brutal, brutal way to start a new Husker football season this past Saturday. You think? That's what we were kind of uh, afraid of as it, uh, well, now bounce back mode for the Huskers welcoming in Fordham. You'd like to think they'd win that one? But... like to think. Uh, should 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 have beat Illinois. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in years past, happen. you would. Yes, and in days of yore, you would say the Huskers <laughs> could name the score against Fordham. I don't know if I'd go out on that limb or not. Also, uh, we'll talk about Salvador Perez. Five straight games, he's hit a home run. Mm. Up in Seattle, had two straight games, back to back games of grand slams. He's at thirty eight for the year. Wow! Wow! Good old. Age to Salvador Perez. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Bob Rogan, how are stocks looking so far on this Monday? A little bit higher on Wall Street uh, in trading, keeping major indexes near record highs that they uh, that they set last week. Also, PNC Bank is the latest U.S. financial services company to increase wages hmm. in an attempt to uh, keep their employees. So those are some of the stories we're watching. It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update. Paul Perkins is joining us, and 
Well, Paul, depending where you were located this past weekend, you either got a pretty good amount of rain or you got just enough to get the dust out of your rain gauge. Yeah, a lot of that rain centered, of course, over northern and northeastern areas of Nebraska. The blunt to that, blunt to that moisture was uh, towards those areas, but a lot less as you went to the southwest. Yeah, when I was at the state fair at our booth yesterday, uh, a lot of different people came up and, you know, and talking to them asking how much rain they had received. Mm-hmm. It definitely varied, <laughs> but one woman came up to me and in Seward she said they had received two and a half inches of rain which is the most that I had heard and then other people throughout the state said it went from about an inch to basically nothing to you know maybe a quarter inch or half an inch so and it looks like we do have more chances for some rain later today especially later on in the week Mm -hmm. coming up here and unfortunately, I know you get to it here in a moment, but maybe severe weather as well. Yeah, that potential there for some severe weather today across much of Nebraska. It looks like Kansas will escape the brunt of any severe weather, just a low-end marginal risk. But much of the Nebraska panhandle on into west-central and central and eastern areas of Nebraska under the gun for some potential severe weather later on. How about our temperatures today? Is it going to be like yesterday? Was it a little bit more seasonal or are we going to start warming up once again? Uh, starting to warm up a little bit more warmth back into our forecast and we're also feeling that humidity right now uh the patchy cloud cover now confined to about central portions of nebraska from o'neill down to the tri-cities on over to aurora but also a plume of moisture as you go towards the nebraska panhandle okay so we will keep an eye on that but otherwise day uh fairly quiet at least for early on yeah it looks like most of today should be mainly quiet we do have temperatures right now still locked in the 60s in the nebraska panhandle underneath some clouds especially from about gordon down to alliance north of sydney otherwise most of our temperatures in nebraska about mid 70s to around 80 the low and mid 80s as you head into northern kansas also some upper 70s from imperial and mccook on into northeast colorado today our temperature is slightly warmer than average with a mix of sun and clouds increasing amounts of sunshine as the day goes on we are looking at the potential of some severe thunderstorms later today through tonight with damaging winds up to 60 and hail the size of ping pong balls the storm prediction center placing a slight risk of severe storms over much of nebraska or basically if you're along the northeast of a line from chadron to ogallala holdridge and superior storms expected to develop near front over northern nebraska and push to the south a few of those storms may also develop near a low pressure trough in the western part of nebraska and push to the east ridge of high pressure building north from the southern plains keeping tomorrow afternoon through wednesday evening mostly dry and slightly warmer than usual we are looking at potential for some tropical moisture from the remnants of hurricane nora lifting northeast onto the plains from the four corners Thursday night into Saturday, possibly sending the stage for some spotty heavy rain, but overall some good chances of rain by Thursday night through Saturday. The weekend looks to be slightly cooler than normal with some spotty chances of rain. In our long-term forecast, overall temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas trending seasonal to near normal for this weekend through September 12th. Rainfall this weekend and early next week will be near normal for Nebraska and Kansas before the outlook does turn slightly below normal for rainfall for much of next week through September 12th. Key weather factors impacting the markets include heavy rain from the remnants of Hurricane Ida, active rain chances for the Corn Belt, and possibly some rain across South America. Ida's remnants will cross the Tennessee Valley tomorrow and the central Appalachians and mid-Atlantic states by midweek. The potential for significant flooding does exist, especially in already saturated areas such as Middle Tennessee. Across the Midwest, more rain expected again this week. 
bringing in some late benefit for filling corn and soybeans and drought reduction, but too much rain could start to affect the harvest in the Midwest. Moisture associated with the remnants of eastern Pacific Hurricane Nora will enhance rainfall with the southwestern monsoon flow of moisture. Locally heavy rain expected to be limited this week to parts of the northern plains and upper Midwest. In the Midwest, that rain should bring some late benefit for filling corn and soybeans and drought reduction, but too much rain, once again, could be affecting the harvest. In the northern plains, there may be only some minor benefits to the filling corn and soybeans, but the showers should help to reduce at least some of the drought. Rain will be minimal this week from the southern plains to the lower Great Lakes. On the southern plains, late season heat accompanying the dry weather, where winter wheat areas need more moisture to start the planting. For southern Brazil, weekend rain was a help to developing to reproductive winter wheat and recharging some soil moisture for spring planting, which starts in the next two weeks. More rain will come through southern Brazil late this week and weekend with more showers. Argentina dried this past weekend, and most areas have below normal soil moisture, above normal temperatures this week in Argentina, accelerating the wheat development, and showers will be needed. Argentina rain this week may not be widespread, and more expected to be needed. Yeah, yesterday at the State Fair booth, when I was talking to a couple of our listeners, uh, two of them had mentioned that they've received enough rain, especially after Saturday night, early Sunday morning, that they're done irrigating. They're shutting off the pivots, that they're they're done for the year. So some, like I said, some are in a different boat than others. Yeah, so, and, and a lot of people even shut off uh, their pivots and irrigation uh, about a week and a half ago mm. when we got that heavy rain uh, on a Thursday night there, too. So. Okay. Now, speaking of rain, just to re- just uh, remind everybody, the severe weather potential, about what time and what area? Most likely uh, later this afternoon, probably more this evening into tonight. Uh, some storms expected to develop near a front over northern Nebraska, gradually pushed to the south. You know, southern areas of Nebraska are going to see that threat for some thunderstorms later on today, but maybe earlier this, uh, later this afternoon across southern northern Nebraska and then gradually pushing south this evening. Okay, so if Sony wanted to find out more information about tonight's possible severe weather, where could they find that at? Our weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Public Power District. As Hurricane Ida continues to make landfall and make her way towards the northeast, she's leaving behind her some devastating damage and some that might have an effect on grain movement. From the Nebraska State Fair, good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I caught up this morning with Mike Steenhook. He is executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition as we talked Hurricane Ida. The fact of the matter is what happens down there impacts what happens up here. And what happens up here impacts what happens down there. There's a a real strong linkage between the export facilities uh, along the lower Mississippi River near New Orleans and the the viability of Midwest agriculture. And so whenever you have a storm event like this, we we closely monitor it and and we we follow it. And you know the 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 U.S. Coast Guard instituted a a restriction or a prohibition on on vessel traffic. Um, They instituted that. Um, on Saturday evening, the 28th, and it, it continues to extend to the present. And so that's an area that accounts for 61% of U.S. soybean exports, 58% of corn exports, by far the largest export region for both commodities. So now that the storm is exiting the area, our attention specifically turns to, number one, when power will be restored to the area. Um, it's been a, a pretty seismic amount 
of damage, you know, to the electric, electricity grid in that area uh, due to the hurricane. And then number two is the, the damage assessment. And that's something that can have more lingering effects is to what extent have there been, has there been damage to the export uh, facility, uh, facilities that are located down there. And that's something that could, you know, clearly linger as our harvest season approaches and our key shipping season approaches later this fall. What have you heard in in conversations? I know that Ida is just moving out, but from your sources down, what are they saying? Um, What is the initial thoughts on this damage? Yeah, it's still very much in the initial assessment uh, phase. And and so that's something that we're, the picture is going to become more clear and emerge, you know, over this next, you know, day or two. You know, the, you know, the good news is that, you know, sometimes traffic can reserve, resume pretty quick. Uh, we saw that repeatedly last year. We had a very active hurricane season in the Gulf last year, and the, the lingering effects were not that significant. But you can also see situations like Hurricane Katrina, where the, the damage is more pronounced and more long-lasting, and you're continuing to deal with that um, months after the storm event. So that's that's clearly something that we're going to be monitoring during the course of this week. So having said that, what can the folks in the upper end of the Mississippi and, and just producers in Midwest in general, Mike, what should they be thinking about when it comes to crop movement and how that might have an effect on their prices? Yeah, it, it's it's something that, that you know, we there's this strong linkage and and you know the the price that farmers receive can certainly have an impact uh, the 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 quality of the supply chain how how efficiently it's operating can have a real effect on that you know hurricane katrina was a, a vivid example of that um moving forward so you know the big question is how long lasting how lingering uh the damage is uh, to what extent the damage uh to what extent of that damage. Those comments with Mike Steenhook. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Sports Director Jason Jorgensen is joining us once again here in the studio recapping Saturday's abysmal loss for the Husker football team. Time to circle the wagon for the Big Red. <laughs> They're in bounce-back mode following Saturday's loss at Illinois. Offensive tackle Turner Corcoran says the Huskers only need to look in the mirror to identify their problems. More than less not focusing on the opponent, more than less just focusing on ourselves, what, what we need to get better at, more than less than what we need to plan forward going, going forward with. We had, a, we had an amazing game plan going into that game. They didn't play the defense that we had prepared for it, and we just had too many mistakes up front where, like I said, eyes, hands just weren't in the right spot, which led to, you know, us missing a block, us missing whatever it was moving forward. So. A lot of angst on social media and on message boards after the loss on Saturday. Uh, Tyler, I think the, the biggest issue for a lot of folks, and I fall into this category, is that you continue to see the same mistakes yeah. over and over again into year four. Well, you have two players, for example, experienced veteran leaders in Martinez, who fumbles at the end of the first half to pick it up and, and throw it. Misses an open touchdown, by the way. And all before that, uh, uh, Cam Taylor Britt should know better not to catch it, backpedaling at the one-yard line. And 
try to throw it away. I have no idea what even happened there. That was awful. I have been on this planet for almost 47 years. I have watched football ever since I can remember. Yeah. I have never seen anything worse than that play. <laughs> that Cam was Taylor Britt. It was one, laughable. One, to catch it. And two, yeah. <laughs> We had high school players who knew better this past Friday, that's for uh, sure. Uh, not the dog on the Huskers, but he. Well, I, I did a little poll, and I've been talking about it on the show so far today, asking Husker fans to weigh in on my Twitter page. Are you panicking? Are you cool as a cucumber? Or just basically saying, here we go again. And 81% are saying... Here we go. Yep. Uh, Nebraska tried to kick it in gear on Saturday against Fordham. Kickoff at 11 right here on 880 KRVN. UNK kicks off the season on Thursday night at home against Missouri Southern. You can hear that one at 7 over on 93.1 The River. And once again this year in the Kearney area on 106.9 in Kearney. Fifth-ranked Nebraska volleyball team had its hands full mm-hmm. with Kansas State before eventually winning in four sets on Saturday. And head coach John Cook says that was certainly a battle. Really proud of our team for stepping up and they really pulled together. Kennedy was struggling, and you know I don't like the pole setters. And Ani just came in, and I mean she just was a machine. She just set, every set was on the money, got us in a rhythm, got the crowd back into it, and that fans got their money's worth today. A sophomore setter Ani Evans from Waverly ended up being one of the heroes. She finished with 12 assists as Nebraska. They were struggling without team captain Nicklin Hames. Nebraska's back at home this Friday and Saturday with matches against Omaha, Georgia. And Arizona State. Royals catcher Salvador Perez, he's been on an extended tear since the All-Star break. He's now homered in five straight games. He has 38 home runs on the year. That's the most ever by an American League player who primarily has played catcher during a season. He had back-to-back games of grand slams wow. against the Mariners. Yeah, His 12 home runs in August have tied the team record for any calendar month. I do have to ask, and I can only ask this because I already know my Rockies are awful. Have those runs, home runs, all those home runs helped Kansas City win? A few have. Okay. You know. uh, I'm not it, saying it, you shouldn't hit home losses. runs. However, Kansas City is five games over 500 since mm-hmm. the All-Star break. So his, his hitting is, okay. he's done a good job. Some of those young pitchers are starting to figure it out. And they got a couple studs put away at AAA Omaha. So. Next couple of years for them. Maybe. <laughs> Perezzo, he doesn't have many more years left in the tank, I wouldn't early, think. Early 30s. And Is that it? Yeah. Like he's, he's been around for a long he time. Has, but he was up with the team and when he was about 21, 22 years old. But he has lived up to that big contract this summer. No doubt about it. Okay. All right. Well, good for Salvador Perez. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is stepping in, and today it looks like we're talking about COVID. Yes, absolutely. It's still out there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there, the University of Nebraska at the Medical Center says a loss of smell and an accompanying diminished sense of taste have emerged as uh, telltale signs of COVID. That's the disease caused by the coronavirus. Dr. Christy Barnes says that from what the Medical Center has been able to gather, the vast majority of people get their smell back in four weeks after the infection. But that four weeks can be kind of not fun. Uh, If you think about how important your smell is and your ability to taste, uh, people really notice a decrease in their enjoyment with eating because they lost flavor 
and they've lost the ability to perceive uh, smells. It's also a safety issue. When your smell is gone, you can't perceive smoke, gasoline, carbon monoxide, those important things. Well, Dr. Barnes says the vast majority of people, about 95%, will regain their sense of smell by six months and that a very small group of people aren't regaining their sense of smell. The lawyer or the owner of a Lincoln Magic shop has been charged with sexually assaulting several foster boys in his care, and he was just licensed earlier this year. Graciano Lopez, age 42, was charged in June with sexually assaulting at least six different boys when one of his children contacted the State Department of Health and Human Services to report the ongoing assaults. In addition to providing foster care, Officer Aaron Spilker said Lopez came in contact with some of the boys at his Magic Castle shop and through a lawn care business he operated where he employed teenage boys. Investigators are still searching for additional victims. The Pentagon says it remains prepared to airlift more Americans from the Kabul airport. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said that there is still time for remaining Americans to get out. He would not be more specific, though, about the state of the evacuation. He said a total of 5,400 Americans have been airlifted thus far. President Joe Biden has set tomorrow as the deadline for completing the evacuation. That's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder. Your public power district. As the Nebraska State Fair continues, the opportunity to talk to those who have an effect on agriculture. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Here is my interview from Friday afternoon before the parade. Sitting next to me, a volunteer from Farm Rescue who was actually in the parade at the Nebraska State Fair, Albert Lautenschlager. Albert, let's talk a little bit about why, first of all, you got involved with Farm Rescue. Well, I got involved with Farm Rescue with their first hay lift that they did. Um, they were needing CDL drivers, and I just so happened to have a Class A CDL. And, and I called them up and said, hey, I can come drive for you for a week and, and help haul hay. And, and that's what got me started into Farm Rescue was, was that aspect of it. Now, you're one of the younger ones that are involved in Farm Rescue. Most folks are retired that are volunteers, um, but you're not by any means near retirement age. What has enticed you to be involved with this program? So what enticed me to be part of this program is I, I grew up on a rural farm here in St. Labore, Nebraska. My dad had a massive stroke when he was 36 years old. And my older brother and I, we farmed that year. I was 13 and he was 16. And it is such a need to go out and help the local farmer. You know, he'll have a bump in the road like, like my dad did, had a stroke. Um, or a broken leg, or broken back, any number of things. And this is a way of giving back and helping those families continue on with what God had called them to do. It is such a neat opportunity, and I can't imagine the emotions that you go through when you get there and you help out a family, because it's, as we know, those in agriculture have a lot of pride. And to be able to make that step and pick up the phone to Farm Rescue and say, I need help, in itself says a lot. Yes, it does. Um, and a lot of times, the the farmer themselves will not be the one picking up the phone. It'll be a neighbor that says, hey, you know, my my neighbor, he just went through cancer. He, he needs a hand getting his crop in or crop out or, or even bailing his hay. Um, and, and it really is a opportunity to serve your neighbor in a tangible way. 
Albert, what are some of the things that you have done? You talked about uh, driving and being a part of Operation Haylift. What are some other things that you've done within Farm Rescue? Well, now I've become a, a PR guy. I'm here at the State Fair representing them. Um, I've helped seed crops. I've helped harvest crops. I, I'm one of the guys that they'll call if we need to run a producer's equipment to get those that crop out in a timely fashion because before I was a pastor and, and missionary, I was a diesel mechanic. So I, I can dive in there and, and get greasy with these guys and work on their equipment. A man that wears many hats, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to volunteer or feels the calling to help with an organization, and why should they look at Farm Rescue? Well, they should look at Farm Rescue, number one. Um, farming is the backbone of America. Without the farming here in America, we wouldn't have any food, guys. Um, we, we require this to be able to sustain American livelihoods. Um, and a reason to volunteer with Farm Rescue would be, it's a great way to go out and run brand new equipment. The, these old retired farmers that, that have stepped away from farming, they can go sit in a brand new John Deere combine and be able to combine corn or soybeans or wheat. Go run a tractor that has GPS guidance and, and learn all about that. And, and it's not that hard. And the other aspect is, it's just fun to be able to serve someone else that's in need. I was just going to say the, the, the pride and the joy that you must have in being able to give back and not expect anything back in return. Exactly. Um, I, I've been out on cases where uh, a family farm has experienced a stroke and, and they you know, just weren't able to get their crop out. Um, I went to another farm where the gentleman had, had an ATV wreck and had not been out of his house for 90 days. His wife was elderly, he was elderly, and I went, and he needed to show me where we were going to hay. So I helped him get out of his house and to go out to the hay field. And that, that just spurred life into him, the, the joy that was on his face when we get, were able to get him out of the house. And, uh, so, Albert, where does somebody find out the information for Farm Rescue to get signed up as a volunteer, or maybe they know somebody who's in need of help? Well, it's really simple. Um, if you got internet, you go just type in farmrescue.org, and there's applications for assistance. There's applications for volunteers, um, and it's open to everyone. You, you don't have to be a retired farmer. You you could be a retired engineer, um, a nurse, a doctor, any number of people. You can volunteer and. You don't have to know how to run the equipment. There are people that will teach you how to run it and come alongside you so that way you're not out there all alone navigating this stuff. Well, Albert, thank you so much for stopping by to talk to us about Farm Rescue during the Nebraska State Fair. You're welcome, Susan. It's nice to meet you today. That was my conversation with Albert Lautenschlager. He was here on Friday to talk to folks about the importance of farm rescue and the things that they're doing to help out those farmers in need. And again, we can't stress enough that Operation Haylift is still underway. If you've got some hay that is available, contact Farm Rescue or if you'd like to volunteer as well. From the Nebraska State Fair, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Gather. Stocks are edging higher on Wall Street, keeping major indexes near the record highs they set last week. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Big tech companies had some of the strongest gains in the early going. 
The S&P 500 was up three-tenths of a percent, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq was up six-tenths of a percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down two-tenths of a percent. PNC Bank is the latest large U.S. financial services company to increase wages in a bid to keep and attract employees. It's raising its minimum wage to $18 an hour, while also giving higher-paid workers a bump in pay. The bank says the wage increase will apply to both PNC employees as well as those working for BBVA USA, which PNC acquired last year. What effect will Hurricane Ida have on U.S. gas prices? Industry expert Troby Lundberg, the publisher of the Lundberg Survey, says the storm may not drive prices higher, as many expect. Nearly all of the U.S. Gulf Coast offshore oil production has been shut in and a sizable portion of natural gas as well. Uh, But since we do not have any oil shortage per se, and since we have more than we need, uh, and since oil prices have been volatile anyway, it's hard to imagine that really taking hold in determining gasoline price. The average price per gallon in the country fell for the first time in nine months over the last two weeks. It dropped by two cents to a nationwide average of $3.23. China is banning children from playing online games for more than three hours a week, the harshest restriction so far in the game industry as Chinese regulators continue cracking down on the technology sector. Regulators announced that minors in China can only play games between 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Fridays, weekends, and on public holidays. For the Rural Radio Network... There's a lot going on right now at the 2021 Nebraska State Fair. As you probably heard from our farm director, Susan Littlefield, reports throughout the week... And a few of those things are ways to get involved in the beef industry. And so today we're joined on the phone by Adam Wagner. He's director of marketing for the Nebraska Beef Council. Adam, this is a busy time for you guys. Tell us what you have going on. Well, you're right, Alex. We always look forward to uh, the State Fair. It's one of our largest consumer events of the year. And it's really important because it gives people the opportunity to see cattle and livestock up close, uh, where maybe they're from a larger city and they're, they're not used to seeing that. But it even gives them the opportunity to have some conversations with people that actually raise uh, cattle. So uh, we always just encourage people, if they do stop out at the State Fair, stop through, uh, look at the animals, um, you know, engage with people that are there. They're always more than happy to visit visit with you about um, how they raise cattle and um, any questions that people might have about those animals. So besides that, there's also opportunities uh, to stop through the birthing pavilion. It's always a really neat place for people to go and uh, see all kinds of different livestock, see babies, and really talk about the production process and how we raise these animals here in Nebraska. So if people do stop by the, the birthing pavilion, the Nebraska cattle women will be out there with education information and have some little giveaways for people that stop by there as well. So that's a really cool stop. And then, of course, uh, the beef pit is a really hot stop when you're out there because there's a really good food obviously being served there, but there's also going to be a display in the corner of the beef pit where there's more information about beef and beef cookery from the Beef Council. Uh, you can pick up a cookbooklet and some other items there as well. And then, of course, from the actual Nebraska Beef Council, we will be in the Raising Nebraska building where we'll be doing cooking demos throughout the state fair that'll be on the weekends. So look for us on 
on Saturday, Sundays, and then the Monday of Labor Day. And you can stop over there during the lunch hour and uh, see a cooking demo from Mitch Rippey from our office. And he'll be talking about how to incorporate beef into your next meal. So a really cool opportunity. And uh, it's really fun because after he gets done with the demo, uh, he hands out free samples. So it's a win-win for everybody. Heck yeah, that's not a bad deal. (laughs) So tell me about like some of the interactions that you guys have in the Nebraska State Fair. Obviously, it's a little bit different demographic that's there. Right. I mean, there's a lot of rural uh, communities and and people that come to the state fair when they're showing their animals. But we have to remember, there's a lot of people that do come into uh, Grand Island and stop at the state fair because um, it is kind of their their way to reach out and get outside of the city. And so we have a lot of really good uh, conversations with people about just the the beef industry in Nebraska, its importance to us as a state, and then really the impact that we have across the country and around the globe with uh, the products that we raise here. So um, it's a really great opportunity. And uh, I really want to encourage people, if you haven't ever stopped out at the Raising Nebraska building at the State Fair, please do so because it really is an impressive display of how um, agriculture here in Nebraska impacts the entire world. And uh, it's just a lot of interactive ways that you can learn about uh, beef production and agriculture in general. So I do plan to stop by the Raising Nebraska building if you stop at the State Fair. All right, so make some plans to go interact with the Nebraska Beef Council at the 2021 Nebraska State Fair. Adam, thanks so much. Thanks, Alex. Have a great day. And that again is Adam Wagner joining us from the Nebraska Beef Council. And I just want to add one thing while we're on the topic of Nebraska Beef Council. It is about time to submit the Good Life Great Stakes Nebraska Beef Passports. The deadline to submit them is September 10th. That is next Friday. So you can find all of the information to do all of that at RuralRadioNetwork.com. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Get your fixed up. Clay Pan with an up market update on the Rural Radio Network. Typically, we'd be talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zang Marketing in Chicago at this time. Unfortunately, John, unavailable today as he is traveling for a conference. He'll be joining us back again tomorrow, though, so don't worry. John will be coming back. As we go into the tra- day's trade, though, it is lower across the board here for many of the grain markets. Uh, really, no grains actually in the red. We did get out data today from Canada showing their entire wheat crop coming in just a shade below what USDA was sinking at 22.975 million metric tons. USDA was closer to 24 million metric tons. So that positive for the wheat market showing just how tight our global stocks will continue to be. Of course, Egypt's GASC was also in for about 60,000 metric tons of Romanian wheat out this morning. Russia once again priced out of that market as they continue to raise their export taxes trying to ensure that too much grain doesn't leave the country. The big question is as well, how much damage will Hurricane Ida do to the Delta states and their crops as we continue to see the the tropical storm produced heavy rainfall amounts across much of the Louisiana and other southeast U.S. areas. Now, it is hopefully maybe pushing some moisture further to the north. I'll be at midday. GFS models were a little bit mixed on where exactly that precipitation could go. Interesting to note, the so- September contracts for both corn, soybeans, Chicago, KC wheat, they're all going into first notice day tomorrow. And how quickly the September contracts came back to earth with the contracts that are closest to the ones that will be replacing them. For September soybeans, they're down 54 and a half. 
half cents now within one and a half cents of the November new crop contract. September corn actually slips actually below the December new crop now actually negative two and a half cents to it. Uh, so again, the spread action really coming forward today and consolidating, albeit it's in a thinner trade given the fact that those contracts about to go into their first uh, day of notice, first notice day on those. The U.S. dollar index, not much of a player today, influencing any action in the commodity sector, unchanged at 92.68, albeit there's a little bit more of a risk-off feeling start to develop as we've seen the Dow completely erase its gains down over seven points. We'll see if that starts to influence the broader commodity sector because crude oil has had a very positive day with West Texas October crude heading back towards $70 a barrel, up over 53 cents a barrel. So some positivity there with a lower U.S. dollar once again coming off the Fed's news last week. As we continue to go, we're coming to the end of the marketing year, and we did get out the latest USDA export numbers out today, and this all comes as of August 26th. That leaves us five days left in the marketing year, but it does look like we'll be fairly close to USDA's target on soybeans at 2.26 billion bushels. Some analysts, though, saying we're going to be a little bit short of USDA's target on the corn at 2.775 billion bushels. Uh, some wondering if we won't come in about 30 million short, coming out from Stonex here this afternoon. That is a check here of the closing grain trade on the Rural Radio Network. Thank you, Clay. That'll wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. Of course, you can catch the Midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors, wherever podcasts can be found, or krvn.com.